0: i uh-huh. Don't break it. Kate wants sing
1: for the end of the world. This is your community spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again, circle of family, circle of friends, the circle of being. Wake up! And be healthy, and therefore wealthy, to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is your community spirit, coming at you on your community radio, 91.1 FM, Community Radio for Southern Illinois. All right, that song at the top of the hour was uh, David, uh, excuse me, uh, Danny Dollinger, <laughs> and it was a song called End of the World, as you may have guessed by the lyrics. All right, my name is Tree Song. I'll be your host today for this episode of Euro Community Spirits. We've got lots of news and happenings and such coming at you. Our usual uh, person at the board here, or Danny is still off on other adventures, but he will be back as soon as he's able, probably later this month. We will find out when he returns. In the meantime, plenty of news and happenings to share. And let's start out with this one. Uh, Here's a topic I know we've talked about a few times recently, but we're going to keep talking about it because it keeps happening. The topic is fracking. This one's called, How Fracking Companies Exploit Amish Farmers. It's no secret that fracking companies engage in some shady behavior, but a report in the New Republic reveals just how low they'll go in the rush to exploit natural gas. Energy companies in eastern Ohio, home of the world's largest Amish Amish population and billions of dollars' worth of oil and gas reserves, have been convincing Amish farmers to sign away drilling rights to their land for far less than their worth, knowing that because of their religious tradition fronds on lawsuits, the landowners will have little recourse for justice once they've realized they've been duped. Lloyd Miller, for example, an Amish farmer near Millersburg, Ohio, said an agent from Canoil offered him $10 an acre to drill for shale gas on his 158 acres, promising it was the best deal around. Now, if you've been listening to these fracking reports, you probably know that's not true. But for Cash at the time, Miller and his wife said yes, figuring, hey, that's $1,500 we didn't have before. But they soon found out that many non-Amish Amish farmers in the area We're leasing drilling rights for as much as $1,000 an acre. Miller consulted with a lawyer who told him the agent had committed fraud by promising that $10 an acre was the best he could get. The Millers had grounds to sue, but that's something that, in accordance with their Amish beliefs, they would never do. Of the Kenorl agent, Miller said, quote, He's got to live with his conscience. So yeah, they're basically going around to people who they know are religiously disinclined to sue, and they're making really bad deals with them to get these leases. And then when they find out what happened, they're like, oh, well, it's against our beliefs to sue you, so we will try to talk this out with you and turn the other cheek. forgot to mention one of the important bits of that story. Lest you're tempted to give fracking companies the benefit of the doubts, a lawyer from Columbia Gas Transmission Corps said to the New Republic that the Amish restrictions on litigation is a known fact to us. One local father and son law firm in the area said it had consulted with dozens of Amish landowners in the area who had been misled by energy companies in a manner similar to the Millers. So this isn't an isolated incident, and this isn't accidental. They are going around trying to con the Amish in having hydraulic fracturing on their land at pennies on the dollar. In other news, let's see what's on the climate change news for today. Colorado is burning as climate change extends wildfire season. Hellish wildfires are ravaging parts of Colorado. Thousands of people have been evacuated, and at least 360 homes have been destroyed by the Black Forest Fire, currently burning northeast of Colorado Springs. It's just one of many blazes being battled by firefighters in the state and across the west. This year's western fire season began early with the blazes in Southern California a phenomenon that California Governor Jerry Brown blamed on climate change. Last week, the head of the U.S. Forest Service warned Congress that climate change is prolonging the annual wildfire season. The Associated Press reports that the Black Fire is, quote, the most destructive in state history, and it's still raging. So there's a lot of fire going out there, so if you're out west in those areas, be careful. If you're in the rest of the world, be careful, too, not to emit too many greenhouse gases, because this is the result. that extra fire out there, it'd be really swell if we had some extra water, wouldn't it? Well, be careful what you wish for. A FEMA report says climate change could increase areas at risk of flood by 45 percent. Rising seas and increasingly severe weather are expected to increase the areas of the United States at risk of floods by up to 45 percent by 2100, according to a first-of-its-kind report released by the Federal Emergency Management Agency on Wednesday. These changes could double the number of flood prime properties covered by the National Flood Insurance Program and drastically increase the cost of floods the report finds. The report concludes that climate change is likely to expand vastly the size and cost of the 45-year-old government flood insurance program. Like previous government reports, it anticipates that the sea levels will rise an average of 4 feet by the end of the century. But that's, that's not new, though. This is what is new in this report. The portion of the U.S. at risk for flooding, including coastal regions and areas along rivers, will grow between 40 and 45 percent by the end of the century. That shift will hammer the flood insurance program. Premiums paid into the program totaled $3.2 billion in 2009, but that figure could grow to $5.4 billion by 2040 and up to $11.2 billion by the year 2100, the report said. The 257-page study has been in the works for nearly five years and was finally released by FEMA after multiple inquiries from Climate Desk and Mummy Jones. They're trying to keep it to themselves a little bit. Now, the report attributes only 30% of the increased risk of flooding to population growth. 70% is due to climate change. FEMA designates what's known as special flood hazard areas where there's a 1% risk in any given year of a major flood occurring. They also call these 100-year floodplains. If you have a federally-backed mortgage on your home, and it's in a special flood hazard area, you're required by law to carry that flood insurance. As of 2013, the NFIP insures 5.6 million properties, but that number could double by 2100, to as many as 11.2 million, the report found. So we've got extra fire coming and extra water coming. If, If only there was some way to coordinate those and get them to happen in the same place, they could just cancel each other out. But unfortunately, the instabilities of climate change seem to be putting fire where you don't need fire and water where you really don't need any more water. Here at Your Community Spirits, one of our mottos is doom and gloom with a sense of humor. Uh, We we try to keep it funny, and we try to keep it gloomy, (laughs) but not all the news that we cover is gloom. We also try to keep some, some interesting stuff, some fun stuff, and some solutions. So here's an interesting report I saw along those lines. This one's titled, Here's How the World Can Get on Track with Climate Goals. world is driving itself into a future of climate hell, but experts say it's not too late to take the off-ramp. Despite declining greenhouse gas emissions in the U.S. and other developed nations, global emissions broke a new record last year. They were pushed by 1.4% higher than the year before, before that's by rapid growth in China and India, and by Japan turning to fossil fuels instead of nuclear power. Now that's the, the gloom and doom part. <laughs> During UN climate negotiations held in Copenhagen in 2009, most of the world agreed to aim for a post-industrial revolution temperature rise of no more than 2 degrees Celsius. But if the world keeps traveling along its current path, the International Energy Agency warns in a new report that long-term average temperature increases between 3.6 and 5.3 degrees Celsius are more likely. If your math's a little slow, that is a little bit higher than 2 degrees. Now, climate negotiations are underway to agree on a successor to the Kyoto Protocol, which could help stem the tide of rising emissions. But no new agreement is expected to come into force until 2020, and who knows if it would even be strong enough to make a difference. So it would be easy to conclude that we're really out of luck here. But in this, in this new report, the IEA outlines four strategies that countries could pursue during the next seven years that help spare us This uh, scenario of skyrocketing temperatures, all at zero net economic cost. Now, that's one of the important points because, you know, there are all sorts of solutions for how to respond to climate change. You could just turn off all the the internal combustion engines, stop all the coal-fired power plants. But some people question the feasibility of these things. So we have to come up with other solutions. And this is a solution that they say would have zero net economic costs. Here's a quote. Despite the insufficiency of global action to date, limiting the global climate, excuse me, limiting the global temperature rise to two degrees Celsius remains still technically feasible, though it is extremely challenging, states the report, titled Redrawing the Energy Climate Map. So that's not exactly the most enthusiastic, hopeful statement of the world, but it is saying that there is still, with the proper technological solutions, a possibility of not going above two degrees Celsius. Now, the most fruitful of the four suggested strategies is projected to be the adoption of straightforward energy efficiency measures, mostly in buildings but also in vehicles. The other strategies include shutting down the worst of the coal power plants, cutting back on the accidental release of natural gas by frackers and other energy companies. There's more of that fracking news again. I guess releasing methane into the air through fracking may not be a good idea. And also more quickly phasing out fossil fuel subsidies. Because if you reduce the subsidies, that helps create changes in the markets. Quote, these policies would reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 3.1 gigatons of carbon dioxide, or equivalent, in 2020. That's 80% of the emissions reductions required under a 2 degrees Celsius trajectory, the report says. Quote, this would buy precious time while international climate negotiations continue. So I find that story encouraging, in part because the four... The four points that it suggests are actually things that sound like they could be achieved with uh, zero net cost. It's also a little discouraging in that we haven't already just done all of this because it makes some common sense. But it's good to have reports like this that explore the details and say, hey, you know, energy efficiency and that sort of thing might actually be helpful for the planet and for the humans who live here because, you know, if it raises 5, 10, 20 degrees Celsius, we'll be out of luck. All right, now, we like following up on past news stories here at Your Community Spirit. Here's one we reported on several times back when it broke. Yes Men prank the Chamber of Commerce and get away with it. If you're going to prank the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, you'd better brace yourself for a long legal battle. It's been almost four years since the Yes Men conned reporters into thinking the Chamber was finally warming up to the dangers of climate change. The tricksters put a fake website and sent out a fake press release under the Chamber's name, fooling a number of mainstream news outlets into believing that the business group had finally reversed its course and decided to support climate legislation. The Yes Men also held a fake news conference, which went on for a number of minutes before an actual chamber spokesman barged in and busted it up. I remember that video. Uh, if you sign up for our newsletter, info at yourcommunityspirit.org, you can request that video. But yeah, it was pretty funny. The, the Yes Men are pretty funny, but also talk about some pretty serious com- uh, You know commenting on some pretty serious issues. So this this news that came out, though, is that they were pursued for a long time in court, but eventually the Chamber of Commerce dropped the suit. They claimed it was because it was an old case that they didn't care about anymore, but you know, maybe they didn't want to spend any more money on a case that they thought they would lose. So yes-men got away with it. <laughs> the yes-men got to prank the U.S. Chamber of Commerce they got to support action on climate change, and they didn't go to jail or get sued for a bazillion dollars. wonder what that'll do to encourage other people to pull similar pranks. All right, in other news, we've got one more, then we can get to the happenings. When I want to at least mention this one. Awesome bike parking system sucks your ride into the depths of the earth. Bikes are great and all, but as more people start cycling instead of driving, doesn't necessarily make sense to create new slabs of empty asphalt to park the bikes on. I Well, the article says a better solution. I would say maybe a more interesting solution. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's better or worse. It's Japan's EcoCycle Anti-Seismic underground bicycle park. Instead of paving large swaths of the ground, it stores your ride vertically underneath it. I watched the video. You basically, you drive up to this little station on the surface, and you put your bike in there, you press the button, you, you put in your little card saying you have the money to store the bike there. And this little arm reaches out, and it pulls your bike in there, and it pulls it down into the earth, into this column of like, it's, it looks like it's got like maybe a 100 bikes in there, all in this little cylinder beneath the earth. So it's very strange, very interesting, but it does save on surface space. It's the same principle as skyscrapers going up in order to create extra space. They go down in order to store your bike in the bowels of the earth. All right, let's breeze through some holidays here. Today is Family History Day. Coming up uh, tomorrow, we have Magna Carta Day. I wonder if any of our legislators who are on today have actually read the Magna Carta and read about its history and such. All right, we also have coming up National Nursing Assistance Day and week. And we have the UN Day to Combat Desertification and Drought coming up on Monday. It's also Watergate Day. We have World Juggling Day coming up on Tuesday. And Wednesday is June 19th, also known as Juneteenth. It's Emancipation Day. And Thursday is UN World Refugee Day. So lots of interesting days coming up. Speaking of interesting, let's mention some of our local happenings right here in Southern Illinois. If you'd like to send happenings our way, and send them to info at yourcommunityspirit.org and we will do our best to get them on the air. So that's what we do here at Your Community Radio. Help your voice get heard. All right, so coming up tonight, we have the Carbondale Community Friday Night Fair. Tonight from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the Town Square Pavilion. It's a fun time out there with free live music, food courts, farmer's markets, information booths, and more. This week's music is by the Venturis. Also coming up tonight, and also of a musical nature, is Open Mic Nights. Open Mic Night, coming up tonight at 7 p.m. at Guy House Interfaith Center. Express yourself in a comfortable house style environment. Everyone is invited. Poets, musicians, storytellers, dancers, and more. Uh, right. i
0: said,
1: you know the local happenings we happen to have some farmer mark farmers markets around here. The Carbondale Farmers Market is coming up on Saturday from eight AM to noon at the West Town Mall parking lot in Carbondale. They are celebrating their thirty-fifth year. They've got vendors from all around the region and they've got all sorts of wonderful produce, veggies, crafts, arts, cheeses. There's some amazing stuff out there. That is at the West Town Mall parking lot tomorrow morning from eight A.m. to noon. And in other news, there's a new farmers Market that has come to the other side of town, the east side of town. It's the East Side versus West Side Farmers' Markets. (laughs) But if you get up early enough, you can go to both. This one is on Saturday from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Carbondale Community High School. It is at the staff parking lots on Walnuts. Also got time to mention one more happening here. It is the Brown Bag Concert and Lunch Series. That has been going on for a couple weeks now. It is continuing on this coming Wednesday at noon at the Town Square Pavilion an opportunity to go there to the corner of uh, illinois and maine in carbondale and hang out in town square pavilion listen to some music have some lunch from local restaurants or from your own brown bag it's a good time John city slickers are coming up at the brown bag concert series all right this has been a wonderful exciting informative episode of your community spirit hope you've enjoyed it at least as much as i have and uh If you have any happenings to share, you can send them to info at yourcommunityspirit.org. Hope you enjoy the wonderful weather out there. It's actually unseasonably pleasant out there for the middle of June in southern Illinois. But I shouldn't jinx it by saying that. So hope you have a good day out there, a good week. And we will see you here next week on the radio.